ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 18 of the Tag Team Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tartaglione, joined with my brother, Johnny Tartaglione, and today is the official one-year anniversary of the Tag Team Podcast. That's right, we've been bringing out you a lot of content, and it's already been a year. Can you believe that? Yeah, that's absolutely unreal. I mean, it's already been a year, time flies. And yeah, like you said, some great content being put out. I really enjoyed what we've been able to do so far. Obviously, I would always like to strive to get more content out, but I'm satisfied and I'm happy with where we're at. And I would like to to grow the the brand even more. So I'm looking forward to, to years to come. Yeah, a year is definitely something that I'm happy about that we got to this point. I know we haven't grown as much as I would have liked in the past year, but it's definitely something that uh, you know, we can look on to from 2022 to 2023, because I know we'll still definitely be doing this podcast in a year, because uh, it's something I'm definitely passionate about. I know it's something you're passionate about. But the way we started off our first ever episode was with the way we're going to start off the one-year anniversary episode, and that is with the New York Knicks. Um, I know we've we've strayed away from talking about them actually for an entire year on the podcast. I know there's been little mentions here and there. But we want to dive into the Knicks and how they are a year later compared to what we thought last year. Because at this point last year, the Knicks were rolling. Um, they were just about to acquire D. Rose. So that that whole opening was about to come into play. And the Knicks would end up going on the run to be the four seed. I know they got waxed by the Hawks. But I don't want to dive into the Knicks last season too much. I really want to get into this season and what's been going on. Yeah, and really looking at what the difference is and how much of a drop-off they've had in comparison to what they had last year and what they have this year. I mean, when you look at the roster, they... See, I'm going to disagree with you. I I wouldn't say it's that much of a drop-off. It is in certain elements, but I think it has to do with the fact that the Knicks have just struggled offensively, and and that's something we're going to focus on. Here's how I would say it. I would say that this year has been disappointing, and that's the best way to put it. Disappointing is the best word to use. For the pure fact that they were the four seed in the East last year, had a great run near the end of the season, and obviously the Hawks were just the better team in the playoffs, and you just have to accept that. But going into this year, we had high hopes, and they started off 5-1, and one, were the one seed in the East to start the year, and have just had a severe lack of consistency as the season has progressed. And yeah, like you said, it has a lot to do with their inefficiencies on offense. And as you can see right now, they're averaging 103 points a game, almost 104 points a game, and that's 27th in the league. And with the pace they play at, they are the slowest team in the NBA in regards to pace of play. And it's hard to win games consistently when you don't have an explosive offense night in and night out. And that's where the Knicks stand. No, I would would say uh, offense has been absolutely, absolutely abysmal. And I want to start this segment by narrowing in on last night's game because this podcast, we're actually getting this podcast out in one day, which is surprising. But I want to narrow into last night's game against the Heat and then work our way up to the bigger picture of what this season has actually resulted in. I want to start by saying this. You cannot, absolutely cannot have Obi Toppin be your top scorer. He had 18 points last night and that was the Knicks' top scorer on the entire team. Yeah, but I mean, also you can't take that away from Obi. Obi had a hell of a game. Shot seven and nine from the field, was knocking out some three pointers, which he has failed to do consistently as well. So I was very happy with what I saw from Obi last night. But like you said, I'm not shitting on Obi. You're Come right. On. You're right. You're correct. You have star players like R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle. I'm not even going to say Kemba Walker's a star, but Kemba should obviously be putting up those types of numbers as well. Evan Fournier, you have four or five guys that should easily be scoring more than Obi Toppin should be on a night. Anytime Randall scores under 15 points, the Knicks are a loser. It's almost like a guarantee. I I believe that. I mean, did we get hoodwinked? Did we honestly get hoodwinked? That's what I want to know. I don't know. Here's the thing. You got players that have had great runs in the NBA. You know, you look at Jeremy Lin, for example. Lin Sanity. What happened with that? You look at Matthew Delvadova in the 2016 playoff run with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Players that were good for stints, right? And then they fell off the face of the earth. Jeremy Lin no longer in the league. Matthew Delvadova no longer in the league. But those are two examples I can think of where players had a really good year, were super efficient in what they did. But the second they got the pressure in their head... 
It's gone. And I think with Julius Randle, it all comes down to confidence. It has been confidence this entire year. He's not as confident shooting the three ball. He's not as confident playing his ISO that worked so well for the Knicks last year. And he hasn't put up these big number games like we've been seeing. He just has not been as efficient as we needed him to be. And I'm not going to call him out and say he's a lost cause and he's done. Because I still have hope for Julius Randle. But I need to say this. I would say that Julius Randle needs to turn it up here in these last few weeks for us to finally say that he is the star player of our team. Because right now he is. That's how we all see him. But he's struggling to prove so. And you're right. And it's getting late early for the Knicks. Obviously, they're just about at the halfway point in the year, maybe a little bit over halfway. Um, Drop three straight. Getting near the all-star break. And obviously, they're just inconsistent. And the biggest number for Randle... Sorry. The biggest number for Randle, you obviously... Obviously, look at the points per game. Last year, averaged over 24 points per game, 24.1 to be exact. Was an all-star, all-second-team NBA. This year, only averaging 18.7 points per game. And that's a hefty drop-off for them not gaining another superstar on the team. Usually, you see numbers numbers dip like that when you add a player like a Kevin Durant or... Stephen Curry, somebody who obviously is going to take more shots than Julius Randle. But the Knicks didn't add that player. They added Evan Fournier, okay? They added Kemba Walker, okay? Both of those guys averaging under 14 points a game. They're not taking the shots away from Julius Randle. Julius Randle simply just isn't shooting as high of a percentage as he was last year. As you see last year, he took a massive jump with his three-point percentage, shot over 40% from three. This year, only shooting 30% from three. And like you alluded to it before, when you watch Julius Randle play, he just doesn't shoot the three ball with confidence anymore. Last year, if he had space at the top of the key or on the wing or in the corner, he was pulling that shit. And now this year, you see him, he has, you know, three, four feet of space, and he just wants to bulldoze to the basket. And I'm okay with being aggressive. The aggressiveness doesn't bother me as a player. But where Julius Randle saw success last year is where he expanded the floor and created space. If you have the ability to shoot the three ball at that 40% rate, the big men that are guarding you have to come out to the perimeter and then you can make your move to the basket. If you're hesitating to shoot that three and you're only shooting at 30%, teams aren't as tempted to guard you and they can give you a step or two and they can meet you at the rim. It's a big difference and that's definitely where we see that points per game drop off oh 100 percent. and you know you look at how he has changed the dynamic of the team to become more of a gelled teams i mean you look at the years before the knicks were terrible you know we had one good season with carmelo but he really ignited this team last year and this year i don't feel the fire i don't feel confident when randall's on the floor every time randall was on the floor last year i was like let's go knicks are making a run i didn't care if we were down six down eight i knew that there was a chance we were going to bring the game back now he's on the floor and i'm like dude i i don't trust him i don't yeah and i i like our bench i feel like our bench is the only reason we're relatively close to 500 because our starters have not played well throughout the year I shouldn't say not played well. I shouldn't say haven't played consistently well throughout the year because obviously we've seen great flashes from R.J. Barrett. He's made hefty strides, especially since his rookie year in the NBA. And trust me, I love what I've been seeing from him over the past six, seven games, averaging over 23 game, whatever the specific number is. But he's definitely becoming a more prominent player for our franchise. Will he be an all-star a franchise player for the next 10 years. I don't know the answer to that yet, but I have seen flashes with him that give me positive vibes and I want him to continue playing like that, but we just haven't seen it on, on a consistent basis in order for me to truly believe that he's going to be that guy for us down the road. Yeah, no, I highly agree with you. And I want to say this, you look at the next future for a superstar, right? And you see flashes from different players like RJ and Randall, but you have to ask yourself the question, is RJ going to be the guy or is it going to be Randall? Like, what do you think? You want them both to be the guy. You see teams, the only way teams go anywhere nowadays is if they have those two, at least two to three superstar players. I mean, look at every past NBA championship. They have that one-two tandem. The Bucks last year, obviously Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton. 
Everybody forgets about Chris Middleton. He is one of the superstar players in the league. He just plays under Giannis. He plays in Milwaukee, small market team. But he's definitely one of those guys for a staple franchise in the NBA. And he was definitely a big reason why they won the NBA championship last year. On the other hand, and you look at the Lakers. The, La- the Lakers, when they won the championship in 2020, when they won it in the bubble, obviously they had LeBron. They had Anthony Davis. They had those two guys. And that's what the Knicks need. The Knicks need that one-two combo, that one-two punch that can just go in and take over a game. And Randall nor Barrett are that player consistently right now. And that's what you need in the NBA. When you're down, you know, eight points in a game, you just need that Kevin Durant to come over, to come in the game and just take over and bring you back in. And the Knicks don't have that player. And that's really one of their big issues as well is that they just don't have that that key piece to be like, okay, give him the fucking ball and go win the game. So question, James Harden's a free agent this year. Should the Knicks go for him? Absolutely not. They don't have the cap space. They, they can't go for him if they wanted to. Randall's contract's done. No, I mean, no. I believe Randall's contract actually has one more year. Or is it up after this year? It's a, te- it's a team option. It's a team option. Yeah, because they extended him this past offseason. Mm-hmm. They extended the, the offer. Yeah. No. I don't believe you go for James Harden for the simple fact that they're so deep at that position. Obviously, RJ's a two-guard, right? I love what Quentin Grimes has to offer at the two-guard. They signed Derrick Rose to a three-year contract. Is he going to come back from this injury? Is he going to be the same player that he was last year? We don't know the answer to that. We signed Evan Fournier, another 2-3 guard. I mean, there's just so many players at that position that the Knicks have. And I don't really know how James Harden would fit into that mesh. And I, and besides the fact, I don't think James Harden would ever come to the Knicks, period. So that doesn't even matter. But, no, I do not believe the Knicks should go after James Harden. I believe what the Knicks need is to get a guy that meshes well with the starters. Because I don't think the starters play very well together right now. So, you're saying that the Knicks' current situation for an in-star or a star on their team has to come from in-house. It's got to be somebody that they build off of. Like I, I want it to be like RJ. Grimes. I want it to be RJ. I want it to, saying, I want it though, to be you Randall. You said the Knicks need a second piece. Randall and RJ are not that piece. So who is it? That's the that's a good is question. Is it going to be? I'm not a GM. You know what I'm saying? I'm not a GM. But what I want to happen is I want RJ to develop into that guy. I want Randall to go back to form from last year. But they're not. And they're not. They're and, not. and I understand. You have to look at the statistics that are in front of you right now. You're right. They're averaging Randall's averaging 18.7 a game. RJ's averaging 17.4. Those are good numbers. Those aren't great numbers. Those aren't averaging 24, 25 a game like we do, like we see superstar players averaging nowadays. So I don't I don't know exactly who that guy is for the Knicks. They talked about Damian Lillard. And I think Damian Lillard would be really exciting in Madison Square Garden. But I don't think him alone could push the Knicks over the top. And I think the Knicks would have to give up way too much to get him. I agree. You know, the Knicks have had a really hard time this year with losing tight games. They've lost a couple tight games. I I know in their last six, they've lost games by two points or less. One to the Timberwolves, one to Cleveland. But you have to ask yourself, if they turn around and they end up winning those games, the Knicks would be like five or six games above 500. Is the conversation different at that point? No, I mean, I don't think it's different. I mean, they're, they're, if they're two games... But why not? If the, if, the Knicks are, if the Knicks are looking at the sixth seed right now, which is, which is where five, game, five games above 500 is right now, what, what is the, the conversation's got to change? Yeah, but this, this is all hypothetical. I mean, teams who are above them in the Eastern Conference, like the Hornets, like the Cavs, they've all lost games by one or two points this year. That's just how the game goes. It's hypothetical. I don't think the conversation. Yeah. I'm not any playing different. shoulda, coulda, woulda, but I'm just, I'm just saying, is this Knicks team has been close to a lot of wins that would push them up to that boundary to where they're not fighting in for a playing game spot, three games below 500. What's the change there in the dynamic? 
Like, I know we're having this conversation. We're asking, is Randall the answer? Is is RJ the answer? And I'm thinking to myself, we're only in January. We haven't even reached the All-Star break yet. The Knicks still have a lot of time to turn this team around. I have hope still, believe it or not. I, I know this team has been mediocre this season. But I would go to say that if Randall finds this newfound confidence in the second half of the season, that the Knicks, this whole conversation could change. We could be like, Randall's our guy. We got to resign him. I think that's still a possibility, no? That's what I want. But the Knicks are also about to go into the hardest part of their schedule. By far, it's not even close. They play at Milwaukee on Friday, and then they play home against Sacramento, and then then starts the gauntlet of a schedule. You have Memphis at home. Memphis, obviously a great team at the top of the Western Conference. At the Lakers, always a tough game. Lakers have been disappointing, but still a tough game. And obviously, once I go to the Lakers, that starts their out west trip. Knicks never play well out west. They got the Lakers, Jazz, Nuggets, Warriors, Blazers. I mean, that's a gauntlet of a schedule. They're three games below 500 right now. They could easily be six to seven games under 500 by the middle of February. I mean, it, it could be, I mean, I don't see them being above 500 at all during that period. I don't see them winning more than three of those games that I had just mentioned. They're certainly not going to beat Milwaukee Friday night. They might beat Sacramento. They could possibly beat Portland and maybe beat a very disappointing Lakers team. But if you go through that schedule, they're not better than any of those teams. They're just not. And that's where the Knicks struggle as well is against the really good teams. And they played awful last night against the Heat. You watch that game. The defense is supposed to be the strong point for the Knicks. They are top five in opponents' points per game allowed, which is good. They're they're showing up on the defensive end, and they were lacking there in the beginning of the season. But when I watched that game last night, Duncan Robinson had a heyday out there. Wide open threes all over the place. Tyler Hero, heyday, wide open threes. The Knicks simply struggled to get around screens and close out on shooters. And that's a problem in today's NBA. And I understand they've been good on defense. But when you don't bring that top-notch defensive energy every night, and obviously teams are going to shoot the lights out of the ball some nights. It's the NBA. You have to bring that offensive energy, and they don't have that. Yeah, and that's what I was trying to make the point at the beginning of the segment was that it's been the it's been the offensive end that has been really lackluster, but you find that the Knicks get blown out in games where their defense sucks. You know, they have really good defensive games that they still lose. You're right. Games where they play hard on defense and they lose the game. But every time their offense is lackluster, they struggle to win games. But but to get back to your you know point, I realize that straight away from your point of saying if the conversation would be different if the Knicks were the six or the the seven seed right now, I think it would be a little bit different just because we would be in the playoff picture. We wouldn't be on the outside looking in. But they've also lost really, really bad games this year. They've lost to the Magic twice. And the Magic are yeah, by far a bottom three team in the NBA. And they've done it twice. They've lost to them twice. There's no explanation for that. They also lost to a depleted New Orleans Pelicans team at home in which they only scored like 80 points. I believe they lost 95 to 80 to the Pelicans at home. That's inexcusable. But that that reiterates my point on the offensive efficiency being lackluster. It's terrible. You're correct, but still, you can't score 80 points at home against one of the worst teams in the NBA. You can't. You can't score 80 points in general. You know how many times I look at the Knicks' final score, and I wish I would have bet the under on the game because I know when they put up that 90 spot anywhere from, you know how many times this year they put up anywhere between, they put up 75 against the Celtics a couple weeks ago. They did. When they put up 80 to 95 points, I get so frustrated because last year we had games in the 115s, 120s all the time, it felt like. No, it, the, it, the it, it wasn't even that. No, I mean, I wouldn't even say that. Last year, our defense was the best in the NBA. That's what it was, and that's why we won games is because we shut other teams' offense down. Last year, we still sucked on offense. I believe we were like 26th in the league on, in offense. We we were averaging 107 a game. We averaged 107 a game last season. This year, 
you sign two offensive-minded guards and you're somehow averaging four points per game less. And that's where they have failed. So, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about Fournier. Fournier and Kemba Walker. That's who I'm mentioning. Because obviously those two yeah, players I, I know, I know. were the big offseason acquisitions. They both have not performed to their peak levels. And they're obviously not defensive-minded players. They want to focus on the offensive side of the ball. But we have somehow been worse on offense. Somehow. Some way. And obviously, Randall has been a big piece of that. Averaging six points per game less. But what's your take on that? I mean, I know when we were in the offseason and we were going to this season, we let we let Reggie Bullock go and we were like, okay. I was sad to see him go because he was a great 3 and D piece. He locked up on the defensive end. Could get hot at any time on offense. Not a lights-out shooter, but could be a lights-out shooter. But he deserved that contract in Dallas. I was happy to see him get that. But then we bring in Fournier. We bring in Kemba Walker. I'm like, ooh, this is great on paper. We're going to be really good on the offensive side of the ball. We're going to score more points this year. And I didn't realize the downside that if these players didn't perform up to their standard on the offensive side of the ball – not only are we giving up offense, but we're giving up defense too. Yeah, no, my take on this is if you look at the Knicks on paper for the past couple seasons, even when they were really bad, their teams didn't look bad on paper. They never have. And you got guys last year that knew their role. They knew what they needed to do when they got out on the court, and it worked. Yep. It was efficient. You and every every night with Thibs. And you sign. Every night with Thibs, you yes. knew the rotation. As a fan watching the game, yes. you knew who was coming in. You knew how many minutes they were playing. You knew what they were going to give you night in and night out. And that's why they were successful. And that's why I loved watching that team. But that was a great but point. You look at this, you look at this offseason, right? And you transition into this season. We get Kemba Walker. Woo! Let's go. I know I know damn well me and you were hype as shit whenever we signed him. We were. We get Fournier. All right, that's a solid signing. The Knicks look great on paper this year. But here's the problem. The Knicks have always struggled with the fact that they sign guys to these fat contracts. Let's look at, uh, I don't know, Taj Gibson, for example. Or no, who was the really bad one? Joaquin Noah. He was yep. really bad. By far. These guys that make the, the Knicks look great on paper. But then they get to New York and they think that they're the shit. And they can't live up to the hype of the of, of the, the Mecca, the Mecca of basketball. They struggle. Kemba Walker struggled. Evan Fournier, I got to give him credit. I thought he was going to be great after that first game against the Celtics where he popped off. What do you have, 40, 41 points, something nah, like that? No, he had 30. It was like 32 in the very first game of the year. And he did. Yeah, he popped off in the but very first game. But that's Kemba Walker. And everybody's like, this is going to be this is going to be fantastic. Awesome. Kemba Walker by like week by like the first month was out of the rotation. Fournier was averaging like 10 in the whole month of December. You see that the fact of they get to New York and they struggle big time. And the Knicks look, yes, while they look great on paper, these guys are not role players. Kemba Walker has never been a role player. Evan Fournier, I can't say that he's never been a role player, but I can say that this team he has not found his role yet. He has his so he has guys, his games. He certainly has his they games. They don't mesh. Yes, yes, because he's a talented player, but they don't mesh. These This team is not meshed on the offensive end. Yeah, you've got great offensive players in the two of them. They both have great offensive talent, but they cannot take it to the point where it works in Tibbs' system. It works with R.J. Barrett. It works with Julius Randle to where there's a nice efficiency. Everybody knows their roles. Tom Thibodeau has his rotation, and the Knicks can continue to succeed. They, that has not happened yet this year. It is not. Yep. The Knicks have one word to describe them, and that is inconsistent. They can go out and beat the Bucks like they did earlier this season, but then they'll turn around and lose to the Magic like they have this season. It's so inconsistent, and it has to do with the fact that these guys do not fit into the mesh and found their roles offensively and found comfort in what they're doing. And that's why Kevin Walker fell out of the rotation. He never got comfortable. He never found a role on the team that he liked. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's what I will say, too. I want to mention two quick things here is that one, last year, the Knicks' main lack was a point guard. Our starting point guard last season for the number four seed in the East was Alfred Payton. Keep that in mind. Alfred Payton. Don't want to bash him. He was an okay point guard. 
definitely not worthy of starting on a playoff basketball team, right? 100%. We acquired Derrick Rose. That was the biggest pickup last year when he came off the bench, could play backup point guard, could play the two guard. But for most of the season, Alfred Payton was our starting point guard. We let him go. You signed Kemba Walker. On paper, Kemba Walker is clearly a better player than Alfred Payton is. Going to give you more offense, not really too much more on the defensive end, but overall more explosive player in Madison Square Garden. But yet the team was more successful with Alfred Payton. Why is that? And I'll tell you- Why is that? Because the players on the team knew their roles. And this is what you were talking about. Alfred Payton yeah. had no reason being the starting point guard for the Knicks last season. Derrick Rose was obviously a better player than him. Emmanuel quickly could have started some games over him. But why were they successful? Because those guys went out there and played their asses off and were successful because they knew what they were supposed to do night in and night out. They were comfortable with where they were at. They were happy with where they were at. And they produced because of that. They produced because they were relaxed. They were comfortable with it where they were. And it had nothing to do with what game was on, where they were playing at, who was starting, who wasn't starting, who wasn't injured, blah, 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 blah. But I just wanted to bring up the point that they were better with Alfred Payton as a starting point guard for that specific reason of each player knowing their role. Second, yeah, a key piece and a key factor that a lot of fans are not talking about is the play of Alec Burks. Alec Burks last year was by far and away one of our most clutch players in the fourth quarter. He was a role player, didn't start games, came off as a sixth man, and lit it up night in and night out. And I always wanted the ball in his hands when it was crunch time, either him or Randall. This year, Alec Burks, I think, miss, hits the front of the rim on every single fucking shot he takes. It's like he's short arming it. He can't find a stroke. He's shooting 39% from three this year. Very low percentage for him. And I understand on paper, it's like 39% isn't that terrible. But his shots just look bad. And he doesn't look comfortable. Not to mention, he's only shooting 36% on two-point field goals. 36%. What does that tell you? He's not providing the offense he provided last year. He's not playing with the same confidence. And when you start to lose those key role players, those guys who are supposed to step in and pick up the slack when the starters aren't playing as well, that's when you lose games. And that's just what I've seen from the Knicks so far. Obviously, the injury of Derrick Rose being out for eight weeks has hurt us severely as well. But those are the key facts that I just wanted to point out and differences between last year and this year. I think those are some great points. And I want to bring up a case study, something that we looked at in the NBA a couple of years ago. A guy by the name of Chandler Parsons. You remember him? Oh, yeah. How could you forget? Yeah. So... My fear right now with the Knicks is that Kemba Walker is going to turn into Chandler Parsons. Everybody thought that he was this fantastic player that was going to be super efficient and be one of the prime players in the league. Kemba Walker goes to the Mecca in New York. His hometown. His hometown. Everybody's jacked. But he's shit in the bed. He's not doing as good. And if you look at Chandler Parsons, he played... Had a great phenomenal season with the Mavericks, right? Was ecstatic. And then he decided to pull some off-season bullshit, ended up going with the Grizzlies, and fell out of the league in in four years. Done. He's no longer in the league. Chandler Parsons is done. That's my fear with Kemba Walker, is that he is going to turn into Chandler Parsons. This player who was great before, but struggles once he gets all of the attention. Because Chandler Parsons was a lot of talk in the NBA during that season. A lot of Twitter conversations were going back and forth between players, and there was a lot of speculation on what was happening with him. And it turned out it didn't matter worth shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And look, we've sat here and— And I'm scared that this is going to be a comparable analogy. We've sat here and we have flashed our disappointment at this team, 
And I think we should have expected a little bit of a downfall from last year just because the East is so loaded. No, we should have not. We signed Kemba. We signed Fournier. There should have never been an expectant of a downfall. You can't go lose to the Hawks in the first round and then expect the Knicks to not be worse the next year. They had to have fire in their they had to fire in their assholes. You are correct. You are correct. That's not what I'm saying. We should not have expected a down no, 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 no. We didn't lose players. That's not what we I'm saying. Not Kemba what I'm saying. Paper. Not what I'm saying. I wasn't necessarily That's saying. You I, I, you I understand. You didn't let you me said. finish explaining. I'm not saying right. a complete downfall out of the playoffs, but I wasn't expecting to be a top four seed in the East this year is what I was trying to tell you because obviously I was. I was. Why? Please tell me how the Knicks are a top four on paper before the season starts. Please tell me how you expected them to be better than Milwaukee. Because better, the system better, last better year than, works so well. Okay, but I'm saying Milwaukee. I'm not saying better than Milwaukee. Okay, but I'm, ex- I'm telling them I, I expected them to be the same, if not better. I would expect this similar season. If they're sitting at like the five or four seed right now, I'm like, okay, that's where the Knicks were at this point last year. That's okay. But I was not expecting them to be look outside looking in at the point. No, I wasn't expecting that either. At worst, a six seed. I know. What I'm saying no. is at worst, a six seed. Not even talking about the playoff game. That would be the only downside I ever saw out of this Knicks team. I would have never saw them being outside of the playoff picture. And I would have expected them to be somewhere in that four, five, six seed, maybe even sneak up to the three because we did add talent on paper. But obviously it turns out that the system that Tom Thibodeau had last year was more important, depending on the players you put in that system, than the talent that they brought to the table this year. I was, and that's what we're seeing. I was expecting the Knicks to be a five seed at best for the pure fact that you have Brooklyn, obviously a top team in the NBA. Milwaukee, just coming off a championship, brought back most of the players. Philadelphia, who has always been a top team in the Eastern Conference, even though Ben Simmons is not playing this year. I expected Miami to be better because they added pieces. They got Kyle Lowry. They brought back all their players from last year. So that's automatically four teams that I thought we had absolutely no chance at jumping in the East. So I expected the Knicks to, at best, be a five seed. Not taking into account teams like Boston and Charlotte who were obviously in that play-in tournament mix last year, added some pieces, didn't know where they were going to be at. I was just saying I didn't expect the Knicks to be that four seed. I expected them to be somewhere between five and eight. And no way in hell did I think they were going to be an 11 seed on the outside looking into the fucking play-in tournament. Well, let me say this. At least they're not the most disappointing team in the Eastern Conference because that is definitely the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks take the yep. cake on the most disappointing team in the Eastern Conference. They should have been better than they were last year, and they have a worse record than they actually had the same record. Not the same record as the Knicks, but same winning percentage. Sit both sit eight and a half games back of the number one seed. Knicks sitting at twenty three and twenty six. Atlanta sitting at twenty two and twenty five. And Boston is right down there with them as well. Boston's sitting at 25 and 24. And with all the talent they have, they should obviously be higher in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, but Boston lost players like Kemba Walker. No, Kemba Walker was never a key piece of the Celtics. Never. Never, never, never. They obviously had... Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm just saying, with with two players, they obviously have two rising superstars in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I believe that they should... And they have a pretty well-rounded roster as well. Marcus Smart's a good piece to have. I mean, I think they should be higher in the Eastern Conference with their talent level. But again, another disappointment in the East, but a long way to go in the season. In wrapping this up, my prediction for the Knicks is that they're going to be that 10 seed, probably losing the playing game, maybe not even making the playing tournament. Definitely a disappointing end to the season. But what I'm hoping for is that we start to see more from Randall as the season progresses and that the young players, Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, Quentin Grimes, and now Cam Reddish, I hope we start to see development from them. We've seen large growth from Quentin Grimes this year, but my hope for the Knicks is that they are a solid basketball team for years to come. And they definitely have the pieces to do that. They just need to work on their development. And I understand that that's been a huge part of their organization this year in playing those players and trying to get them more minutes, even though they signed these big name players. And that's probably their problem as a whole. But I just want to see those players develop in the future. And hopefully one day we can get back into that top tier playoff form.
I could not agree more. I think at this point with this season, where we're at, I know we're not making the finals. I know we're probably slim chances of even making it into the first round of the playoffs. But I want to see growth. I want to see, I want to see a better second half. It's in Randall. Yes, a better uh, yes. second half is what we want. I want to see some more confidence in Randall. I want to see RJ continue to get more consistent with these flashes that he's showing of being the potential of being a superstar. I want to see Cam Reddish find a role on this team. I know he just got here. He's only played two games. He's just growing his minutes and growing a role on the team. But I want to see some progression from him because we traded a first-round pick for him. So there's, there's, there's things 30, that I want to see growth. There's 33 games left in the season. 33. Plenty of time. So they're over halfway. The Knicks are a half game out of that number 10 spot. Realistically, if you want any shot to jump into a first-round game, you need to be at that 7 or 8 seed if you're the New York Knicks. So they do— 100%, and all it takes is the same hot second half they had last year. You're right. They definitely had a hot second half. Hopefully, we could get Derrick Rose back pretty soon because obviously he's a key part of this roster, and especially that second unit. That always comes in and and does very well for us. But I still have a glimmer, a very slight glimmer of hope, but that light is fading quickly. And it has faded very quickly, especially this week. You know, you can't you can't go on I mean you can't go on two three I mean they're not gonna win Friday night, so I'm just gonna already assume that this is a three game losing streak. Cause there's no way they beat Milwaukee and Milwaukee. Milwaukee coming off a, a tough game this this past I, I believe it was yesterday against Cleveland as well. And and props to Cleveland. Cavs have a fucking great team this year. They're a really exciting team to watch. They they only beat the Knicks by two this past week, but it shouldn't have been that close. The Knicks made a furious comeback late in the game and obviously made it more respectable on paper, only losing by two. But the Cavs are a much improved team, and I think that's where I wanted the Knicks to be this season. I wanted to be where the Cavs were at or where the Bulls are at especially. But we jumped the gun from last year. I think we got bamboozled a little bit, a little bit hoodwinked, and we are where we are. So... And we have to accept that fact. I mean, at least with the Knicks, I have more hope than I do with Syracuse basketball because Syracuse basketball has been terrible. So at least, at least they're a little bit better than them. That's true. Because my senior year and Syracuse is not making the tournament. So that's sad news for me. But that about wraps up our segment. Yep. And that's, that's about all I have to say is in expressing my disappointment. So everyone pray for us, pray for the Knicks. Hopefully we have a, hopefully we have a, better second half and maybe we can sneak into the playoffs via some type of better play from Julius Randle down the stretch and yeah I'd be excited for another first round exit even though that sounds very sad to say (laughs) so Uh, all right coming up next here on the tag team podcast we got our stink bombs of the week so stay right here and gentlemen welcome back to the tag team podcast this is our segment that we have every single week if you haven't listened to this podcast if this is the first podcast you've ever listened to but we do this every single episode it's something in our week that absolutely just freaking sucks something that just shits the bed for us and really brings us down and (laughs) we call it the stink bomb (laughs) something that shits the bed for us i love that Oh, yeah, just so dirty and stinky that sucks. Fucking foul. And mine is probably something that a lot of people have been having recently with this fucking shit going around. But my stink bomb of the week is simple. I tested positive for COVID-19 today. Nice. And the I'm asymptomatic. I have no symptoms. I feel perfectly fine. Obviously, you guys can hear me. I probably sound fine. Um, there's probably nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with me. I have both vaccines and I got the booster. So I don't know if that has something to do with me not having any symptoms or anything, but I woke up this morning for my class and I had it at 2 PM and I got the email from the school and I'm like, you know, I've tested a bunch of times with Syracuse university before, and they always just send you an email and I've tested probably 30 to 35 times at this university, right? Over the weeks and times I've been here, I've tested so many times and every single time I've tested has been negative. Every single time. Even when I did have COVID a year and a half ago, I never tested. So I, I just knew I had it because I was home and my whole family had it and I felt like shit. But 
I woke up this morning and I got that email and I opened it and I was getting ready to get in the shower and I was like, oh, we're rolling. You know, keep going for the day. Just expecting it to see negative. And I read the words positive, dude, and I shit my pants. And not to mention, I had a three hour long class today that I just had to miss. And I, I feel bad about it because it's my first week. I'm trying to get caught up on this information. Obviously, this class, this is my capstone class. This is something I have for my final project. So I need to do really well in this class. I got to go try hard. It's news production. So obviously, I need to make sure that I can do well in it. And missing the first three hour, well, the second three, we had an eight hour class on Tuesday. That, that was long, lengthy, had me exhausted. But I had a three hour long class there today. And I had to miss it. So, and my professor said she's going to record it for me. So I'm just going to have to watch that recording later. So I'm just going to go full on Ruby Redo and catch you fucking red-handed here. Because you want to tell these people that you're out here grinding on your class for this three-hour lecture, getting caught up on work, blah, 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 because you have COVID. Meanwhile, you and I both know damn well that you're sipping on some fucking Coronas right now. So don't even play those games. Don't even try and bullshit the audience. We both know. I didn't say right you're now. You're kicking. I'm not bullshit. You're the audience kicking right back now. your feet. You're drinking a couple beers. You don't gotta go to class. Oh, I woke up at two p.m. Yeah, look at you stunting on them. I'm not saying it sucks, but it sucks. <laughs> and I'm not saying that I'm not gonna go get caught up on my class and do all my homework this weekend, which I will. You know, Saturday, Sunday, I'm pushing that for That's later. the worst right, idea right ever now? for a college. Right now, that's I, the worst idea ever for right a college now, student. That's the worst. Why yeah. would you be like, yo, it's Thursday afternoon. I got a couple coronas in the fridge, and then I got my homework. I'm gonna choose the coronas and push my homework to this weekend. Who the fuck does that? I'm going to be in quarantine for the next five days, dude. I'm going to have jack shit to do. The only thing I can do is either play Fortnite, record podcasts, eat food, or drink beer. All right? But I, and I just have to plan. I had a stressful morning. Look, I had a stressful morning trying to figure out all my shit, what I had to do, how I didn't have to go live in isolation because Syracuse University has this policy where you got to, if you have COVID, you got to go live on a different part of campus and they put you in a room and they charge you some money. And I... Luckily, I have my own bathroom, so they're not requiring me to do that. But I had a lot of shit I had to deal with. A lot of moving parts today. I had to talk to my professor on the phone. I had to talk. The COVID investigation team is what the Syracuse University is what Syracuse University calls it. And they called me today, and that was a twenty-five minute phone call. They were rattling me off. Who have you seen? What's your living situation? Uh, did you have your mask off at any point during class? What classes did you have? What were your class times? I've gone through a lot of shit today, all right? And I, I know I feel fine. There's nothing wrong with me right now, except for the fact that I took a test and it said I had COVID. But at the end of the day, I'm going to drink a beer if I'm stressed. Look, <laughs> and I know I'm three deep right now. I know I said one beer, but I know I'm three deep right now. But it's not affecting my game right now. I'm still locked in on this podcast. I'm enjoying myself. And I'm just trying to relax because I had a stressful morning. If you get off of work, you don't drink beer. That's your problem. Yeah, because beer so you don't know is the dirty. One beer. Nah, nah. We'll get into a whole other discussion about beer later. But you don't know what it's like to just sit here and just be able to unwind with one beer. No. It's something about one beer gets the nervous system nice and chill. And then you're like, ah, I can have another one. And then you drink another one. And then I just cracked open my third. I hold so, my alcohol consumption to Fridays and Saturdays. Yes, I have COVID and I'm drinking because I'm asymptomatic and I feel fine. If I get symptoms, I won't drink anymore. I hold my alcohol consumption to Fridays and Saturdays. I don't know why. That's just how I do it. And You're not in college anymore. And I had the occasional mimosa on a Sunday because Sunday mimosas yeah, you, are but, fun. But in college, you had your thirsty Thursdays. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I yeah, but, yeah, you're, you're correct. Get out of here with that shit. Listen, I'm not. my last semester, dude. I'm enjoying a Thursday night. I'm not, this is my first Thursday night of the semester. I'm not bashing you for drinking on a Thursday night. You're bashing me. You call me no. out. You're like, I'm going to call this asshole out. I said I'm calling you out. I'm going full on Scooby-Doo because you're telling people you're grinding on your work. You know, you're getting up with all this, this, and that. Because I have been. I've had a very productive week. I've done a lot of great shit this week. I props to you. I'll give you a little hand clap. I read I read 30 pages with my in my law class, plus a <clears throat> nobody case. Nobody cares. And then I did a, I did a whole, I know nobody cares. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I've been, I've been keeping up on my work, all right? I props to you. I'm not bashing you. I'm not taking that away from you at all. I trust me because I was a college student. I was in the same shoes as you were a year ago, and I wish I was still there because you better enjoy it. Let me tell you. So. I'm enjoying it. Your stink bomb of the week is pretty dirty. And even though you still feel fine, get well soon. 
as many people are going through the same shit and it's Thank just you. the norm nowadays it is what it is and it's just something that we all have to deal with am i right yeah luckily the only people that i saw was my roommates so they all went and got tested they're i don't know if they're gonna test positive we'll see what happens but well just gotta hope COVID, they're gonna be in the same boat as me just gotta hope so yeah in saying that transition over to my stink bomb of the week won't be as long of a discussion but we were in raleigh actually last friday we went to a hurricanes rangers game that was the first stink bomb was that the rangers absolutely got blown out by the canes six to three was the final score it was at 1.6 to one could you imagine if we had bet that game could you imagine shut the fuck up anyways (laughs) anyways it was still a great time great experience we had some amazing seats literally three rows from the action on the ice absolutely incredible i still had a great time it was still really fun to watch but as many of you know in this area and any of you who were in raleigh during this past weekend knew that there was a nice fucking snowstorm slash ice storm that decided to roll in right so friday night after the game it was it was snowing pretty heavy and there was it was obviously accumulating on the ground and on the roads and they were had the snow trucks out there trying to keep the roads relatively uh clear for all drivers and i drove anthony over to his friend's house and it was like how how many miles away was it tony like a mile and a half two miles i think it took me 15 minutes to get there because the roads were just bad but that's not even my stink bomb I wake up the next day and we didn't have a hotel room for Saturday night. So we were driving home Saturday during the day. And Frank and I were looking for a place to eat breakfast before we got on the road. And we read on this website that this restaurant was open at 12 p.m. So we were like, okay. And it was only 11 o'clock at this point. It was like, we called and nobody was there yet. And I was like, okay, they're probably not gonna get there till 12. It's That's what they said on the website. So we drove all the way over there and we got there at like 11.45 and the lights were off and nobody was in there. So we're like, fuck it. There's no way this place is opening. Like we just got bamboozled again, kind of like the Knicks. And so I was like, okay, it is what it is. So we start driving and we called this Dunkin' Donuts and the Dunkin' Donuts was open. So I was like, lit, let's go. Let's get Dunkin' and get on the road. So I'm driving, right? And I turn on this back road. And the back road has a mini hill on it. And there was some snow on the ground. And it was definitely a little bit icy. But I had been driving fine. I I do have four-wheel drive on my car. And I'd been driving in two-wheel because four-wheel drive burns your gas. And you don't really need to drive in four-wheel drive unless you absolutely have to. So I was like, okay. I was like, I've been in two-wheel drive. It's going to be fine. So I fucking punch the gas and i'm like all right i'm getting up this hill just fine and then all of a sudden i just stopped in the middle of the hill and i was like you gotta be kidding me right now so i'm sitting there on the hill with the brakes pressed and i don't drive in ice so i seemed like the biggest dumbass there was just because i didn't know what i was doing i'm not from the north i never drive in the snow never drive in the ice i just don't because it doesn't happen in Hampstead, north carolina so i get up halfway the hill halfway up the hill and i'm like okay well this is problematic i don't really know what the fuck to do so another car comes up behind me a jeep and he's like okay i'm gonna make it up the hill too well he starts driving and he saw me and he saw that i was stuck there but he proceeded to keep driving and i didn't understand that (laughs) i did not understand that at all like when you see somebody stuck why are you gonna keep approaching them and get closer if you keep doing that the odds of there being a collision is much higher am i right I mean, realistically, if you see somebody stuck on a hill, you're not going to approach them with your vehicle, right? I mean, unless you're a tow truck and you have to. So this guy's getting closer and closer and closer. And at this point, I was trying to figure out if I could put the car in reverse and then go into four-wheel drive or if I could put it in four-wheel drive and then get up the hill. That was the first thing I tried. I hit the brakes. I put it in four-wheel drive and I tried to make it up the hill. I had no traction whatsoever. And I was just stuck there. So I was like, okay. And that guy came up behind me pretty quick. And then he made it risky for me to put it in reverse. So I was like, this asshole is preventing me from getting out of this spot on the hill. So I'm literally sitting there with my thumb up my ass on the hill 
with nothing to do. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not going to get out of my car and go talk to this fucking dude because I don't feel like getting out in the 20 degree weather and walking down a hill that's icy. I was like, that's not going to happen. So I basically just sat there for five minutes doing absolutely nothing until the guy finally backed up. Like he finally got the hint that I wasn't fucking going anywhere. Like, congratulations, dude. (laughs) Way to do some math. But anyways, I put the car in reverse just a little bit. And, you know, you you do the thing where you go, like, sideways a little bit. And I think, like, I got a miracle for some odd reason. And my car strained out. And I was able to get some grip, put it in four-wheel drive, and get back up the hill. But, yeah, that could have been really bad. Plus. And this this lady, this, this lady walked past me on the sidewalk. And she was just giving me the dirtiest look ever. I was like, okay, lady. I was like, this is probably the ninth car you've seen stuck today. Quit giving me the look. Like, I don't want that shit for me. <laughs> just don't. I'm stuck. I look like a dumbass. I understand that I fucked up. And it is what it is. But I got myself out of it. No damage whatsoever until I got home and I realized I had a huge dent on the top of my car. And I don't know what it's from. Oh. I don't know if it's from, like, a piece of ice absolutely slamming the side of my car when I was driving home. I don't really know. I have no idea. That's brutal. Yeah, it's brutality. I went through the car wash when I got home. I don't know if it was the car wash. I don't know what the fuck it was, but I, I, not only did I get stuck on a hill, but now I have a huge dent on the top of my car. So, from driving to Raleigh this past weekend, that was my stink bomb of the week because my car took a beating. Yeah, that's some hot garbage. And living in Syracuse, I definitely have had some similar situations where I've gotten stuck. But now I've gotten it down to a science where I know how to drive. My truck also has four-wheel drive. So I'm in and out of there. But it has caused a lot of damage to my car. I got a couple scratches, a couple dings, a couple dents, and some rust from all the salt that's on the roads. And the difference between Raleigh and Syracuse is that Syracuse has got it down to a system now. They got salt on the roads. They got plows out. Everything's clear by the time you wake up. You know, sometimes if it snows at night at like 8 p.m. or something, the roads will be dirty until about, you know, 3 a.m. when the plows come out. Because the plows come out in the middle of the damn night. But Raleigh, when we were there, dude, there was no situation ever for them to clean those roads up. Nope. And it was definitely a terrible situation. I mean, because I feel like the major just, roads are risky, fine. Risky as shit. The major roads, yeah, but are it's fine. always the side roads. Yeah, you're right. The, the side back roads, roads are always and that's dirty, where I was. And Syracuse is hilly, and Syracuse is hilly, so there's a lot of problems with that. One time, I saw a jeep slip all the way down a hill and into the side of a building. Oh, that's brutality. Yeah, so it could have been you. It but should have made it out. All right, I made that's it good. out, and I'm blessed. Yeah. <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm blessed. So no car damage for me this this weekend. Not yet. Not saying it's something that can't happen in the future, but I escaped. This weekend. Nice. Let's go. That's a W. But that about wraps up all the time we have tonight on the Tag Team Podcast or tomorrow or the morning. Whatever the hell time it is you're listening to this podcast. It's over. All right? Get over it. Episode 19 is going to be coming soon anyways. Yeah. I, I, this I, has I, been I, the one-year anniversary. Yeah. What, what I, you, I was just I was going to say that now? you are now. Oh, 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 oh. I was going to say you are now in a state where sports betting is legal. So this podcast could very well get a lot more entertaining from that perspective. And that's all I'm going to say about that. And we'll leave it there. Happy one year anniversary to the tag team (laughs) podcast. Uh, All right. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Toodles. Toodles.